You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, we want to invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 18. Exodus chapter 18. I know we've got several that are visiting with us today. We're uh, excited and thankful to have you with us. I know we've got several of our families that are out still on vacations, getting in one last trip before um, school gets started. So we want to be praying for them and their, uh, their travels as well. If you haven't been with us over the past couple of weeks, just as a, a quick get on, the, get on the same page type of uh, introduction, we've been talking about um, the children of Israel leaving uh, Egypt and that initial testing that God takes them through to really start to stretch their faith once they get into the wilderness. So we saw them go through periods of time where they didn't have food, they didn't have water, they're attacked by the Amalekites. And uh, we talked about those tests that God brought them through, the ways that he used those trials to test their faith, to reinforce their faith, to teach them about his provision. And last week in chapter 18, we saw kind of the why behind some of that. Why, why was God putting them in difficult spots so that he had to come through and provide for them? We certainly know that it was for their own faith, right? Like to grow their understanding of who he is and why they should trust him. Remember, he's reprogramming their minds as they come out of Egypt, where they have observed so much of the, the idolatry and worship of the Egyptians. Now they're turning their attention to one true God, and so they've got to know that that God's going to provide for them. But last week we saw, too, that not only are trials for us meant to strengthen and grow our faith, they're meant to strengthen and grow the faith of those around us as well. As people watch and observe and hear the accounts of how God's providing in our life, it strengthens their faith, too. And that's what happens with Moses's father-in-law, Jethro, right? We talked about how we should listen for ways that God's working in the midst of other people's trials, that trials are tools for God to work in memorable ways to increase our knowledge of Him. So it's not just about God working in your life to strengthen your faith. We ought to look and see how God works in the lives of others, because that too can be used to strengthen our faith. We talked about sharing the ways that God's working in our own life to help encourage other people in their faith. Moses does that, right? They have this casual greeting, uh, father-in-law and and son-in-law coming together, and it says that they just kind of talk about their well-being. And we talk about how when we come into contact with people that maybe we haven't seen for a while, you know, we kind of update each other on on how jobs are going, how families are doing, uh, that maybe we aren't as prone to dive right into what God has been doing in our life. But that's exactly what Moses does. And we said last week, he does it in such a way where God gets all of the attention in the story. His storytelling is meant to make much of God. So we talked about sharing the ways that God's working in your own trials. And then we talked about believing and rejoicing over God's work in those trials, that trials provide God uh, an opportunity to separate himself as worthy of our worship, that he alone is worthy. That's the conclusion that Jethro comes to, right? Right. Moses uses his trials as a talking point to share with his father-in-law who God is and what God's doing. We said that your trials become talking points as well for people that you come in contact with, whether it's your neighborhood, the hobbies that you enjoy, your school, your family, your friends, your coworkers, that trials are talking points. It's content that God gives you to share with others. This is who God is. This is what God is doing. Jethro believes and has faith in God based on what he hears. So we talked about 
seeking to rest in our latest trial, believing that how we navigate that trial may lead to a state of rest for someone else. Think about all they had gone through. They had been rerouted on their trip. They had been trapped. They had been disappointed. They had been hungered, uh, thirsted, and assaulted, all of which led to Jethro's faith. There was purpose behind what God was doing in their life. Paul recognizes that in Philippians chapter 1. Think about his own misfortunes in his life, right? He talks about how he's been thrown into jail. He's been mistreated, misunderstood. He's even got ministry partners who are working against him, right? That's kind of led to his imprisonment. And he says, look, none of that matters. None of that concerns me. He says, because I'm in a spot now where people are hearing the gospel that otherwise wouldn't have heard it. He's like, my trials are leading to others hearing about the gospel. And that's the perspective that we want to have too. We want to seek to share our deliverances so that our experiences with God become a testimony to the world. That's the conversation. That's where where we kind of left off last week with Moses and with Jethro, his father-in-law. We pick up in verse 13 of this week. Uh, It says, the next day, so we're in chapter 18 of Exodus, verse 13. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another. And I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, who, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you, and you will be able to endure And all this people also will go in their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. Our summary sentence for today. The delegation of ministry protects the individuals doing ministry, includes more people who are capable of ministry, and ensures the ongoing well-being of those serving and being served in ministry. The delegation of ministry protects the individuals doing ministry, includes more people who are capable of ministry, and ensures the ongoing well-being of those serving and being served in ministry. For our kids, the church is to be a place where everyone finds a place to serve others. 
The church is to be a place where everyone finds a place to serve others. What we're going to see today in the text, remember, God is establishing this community of faith, right? They've been a people of Egypt. They're now a people of Yahweh. And he is establishing this people, this, this healthy community of faith. And we said first, a healthy community of faith has to rely on God's power, right? And so we saw how God has shown his power, providing food, providing water, providing safety. We talked about a healthy community of faith is a place where gospel witness abounds, right? Where people are talking about God, sharing the ways that God's working and moving in their life. These aren't just principles for Israel. They're principles for us as a church today too. We want to be a place that relies upon the power of God. We want to be a place that, that talks about the works of God in our life as a means of witnessing and encouraging one another. But we also want to be a place where ministry is shared, <clears throat> a place where ministry is shared. And that's certainly what is the focal point of this passage today, how Moses and the people of Israel learn to embrace shared ministry, the idea of delegation. Healthy communities are a place where, where uh, shared ministry is enjoyed amongst the people. Now, today's going to be, I think, super practical, maybe even more practical than an average sermon, in that it speaks to the need for shared ministry within the spiritual context of like a church, a faith community. But I think the principles that we're going to see today are also applicable to other work-related environments too. Specifically, when you embrace every role that you fulfill as a believer— to be some form of ministry. What do I mean by that? What we're going to see today certainly has direct application to us as a church family and how we function as a church. But these principles too, I think, are what you should take with you in the midst of every role that you fulfill in life. Because every role that you fulfill as a believer, when you view your role through the lens of God's word, it's an act of ministry right? Whatever job you have, whatever role you play throughout the week, there are opportunities for you to minister to others, right? And so the, the, the application principles that we're going to see today apply both within the faith community of a church, but then I think they also directly apply outside of the church context as well. So we'll kind of unpack that uh, some today. Delegation is needed. It's needed specifically in this text we see for, for three reasons, I think. One, it's needed for the one who feels compelled to do everything. That's Moses, right? We're going to talk here in a minute why delegation is hard, why people are hesitant to delegate, but delegation is certainly needed, and it's needed for the one who feels compelled to do everything. Moses was handling the bulk of ministry within this faith community, and Jethro recognizes this is not going to be a long-term good thing. Delegation is needed for the one who feels capable to do something, right? So there's the individual who's doing everything that needs to delegate, right? It's helpful for that individual. There's others who feel capable of doing something, right? Like they want to help, they want to contribute. And if delegation doesn't happen, then they don't necessarily have a role to play. And then third, delegation is needed for the one who, not how, for the one who feels cautious to do anything, And that's where the the pressure and the strain was coming from. You had all these people who needed help and guidance and direction and who were very confused as to how to live out their faith. They They were cautious to do anything. They wanted Moses to tell them everything, right? And so delegation helps spread the ministry out because there's always gonna be people who need help, right? 
And so there's the need for more and more people to do the helping. That's, that's, that's the gist of this. Delegation is needed because some people feel like they got to do everything. There's other people who are sitting on the sideline who say, hey, I'd like to help do something. Because there's always going to be people who need help to do anything, right? And so we're going to see how that kind of unpacks today uh, through our text. But let's start by kind of asking ourselves the question, why is delegation, um, why is delegation a, uh, a something that we hesitate at doing? Why do people hesitate to delegate to others? Why do, why do people hesitate to delegate to others? I put down in my notes, um, a person may believe they are the only one capable of doing the task well, right? Like there's a hesitation to give this over because there's a belief that I'm the only one who can do it or I'm the only one who can do it well, right? A person may believe that it'll actually cause more work to try to get someone else to do it instead, right? Like if I give this over, they're not going to do it well, so then I'm going to have to come back in and do it anyways and probably create more work for myself to clean it up. So there's a hesitation to delegate for those who have the ability to delegate because oftentimes they believe they're the only one who can do it well. It's going to create more work to try to give it to someone else because you're going to have to come in and fix it. But then an underlying need for delegation that oftentimes the person who can delegate doesn't understand, they don't understand what they aren't able to do presently, because of what they are currently doing instead. Let me say that again. Delegation is important because the person who needs to delegate who doesn't, they don't understand what they aren't able to do presently because of what they are currently doing instead. That's something that Jethro is going to point out to Moses, that, hey, because you're doing this, you can't really do this other thing well because you're so tied up doing this piece. If you'll delegate this, it's going to free you up to do what you really need to do. Second question for you to kind of ponder, what is needed from you if someone chooses to delegate to you? What is needed from you if someone chooses to delegate to you? kind of ties in with why people are hesitant to delegate, right? Think about why somebody would be hesitant to delegate, and then think about how you kind of push back against that by being someone who somebody would want to delegate to, right? It's someone who has a commitment to punctuality, to thoroughness, and to excellence. The idea being that if you give this to me, I'm going to do it on time, I'm going to do it well, and I'm going to take ownership of it because it's something that you've given away, now somebody else needs to take ownership of it, and you can entrust me to do that. I think these were probably all things that would have been running through Moses' mind as Jethro comes and confronts him about how they're doing things currently, right? Because Moses was probably operating under the belief of, at the end of the day, he's exhausted, he ends his day, but he looks back on it and is like, man, I did a lot of ministry today. Like, today was a good day. I'm exhausted but it was good. There were many good things that were done. Jethro is basically sliding into this picture and saying, think about how many more good things could be done if you shared the load, right? That's the idea that's kind of being pitched here by the father-in-law. So let's jump into the text and see it more specifically, what is happening here uh, for us today. Number one, share the ministry that God has given you. Share the ministry that God has given to you. Moses 
sits to judge the people. The people stand around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is it that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? Right? So the next morning after their family reunion, things start to play out like a normal day. Moses starts to do his ministry. Jethro's kind of observing, like, how's this working? How's this functioning? And he sees these long lines of people who are lined up to see Moses, to get direction from Moses. And he begins to question whether this is the best way to do it. And he comes to Moses questioning how he's doing things. Why do you sit alone? Why do you do this from morning till evening? Moses answers them because the people come to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another. I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. That's when Moses says, what you're doing is not good. Which, I mean, if you're Moses, like that could have easily thrown up your defenses, right? Like, what do you mean this is not good? Like, I just spend my whole day talking to people about God and how to apply God's word to their life. How can that not be a good thing? How can that be a bad thing? Well, Jethro begins to unpack it, right? What you're doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. Number one for us this morning, be willing to admit your way isn't always the best way. This is hard. This is hard for us that, that work uh, both within the church serving and outside the church serving. If you've got any type of responsibility given to you in the roles that you have, I mean, it's hard when somebody comes and tells you that maybe the way you're doing it isn't the best way to do it. It takes a, takes a level of humility to step back and, and think through and process and say, is there a better way of doing things that somebody is about to speak to me about? Be willing to admit your way isn't always the best way. Jethro brings awareness that what Moses is doing is not efficient, right? He's doing too much. It's, it's taking all day for Moses and for everyone to get through this process. It's not efficient. He's trying to settle multiple disputes all day long. He's acting as a pastor, a counselor, a policeman, a judge. He's wearing all these hats for the people. He's trying to be everything for the people instead of what he needed to be for the people. And we're going to see later what Jethro says he needs to be doing that he's not capable of doing because of how he structured his day. People were waiting in line all day, and they were not able to do anything else in the meantime. Right? It's not just Moses whose day is filled up from morning to evening. There are people who are giving large chunks of their day away, waiting on Moses' availability, right? So there's this need for delegation that begins to exist. Um, myself, my family, uh, Jeremy uh, and his family, and Alex and his family, we went to Whitewater on Monday, and we were standing in line uh, in this ride at the very end of the day, and we probably stood in line for an hour or so, which was the longest line we had stood in all day. Found out yesterday that John Wallace's family went, and that was maybe a short line on a Saturday. Um, we're waiting in line this whole time for this ride. We're talking about whether it's even worth it to stay in line for this ride. Like, is the thrill that good or not? But inevitably, when you're standing in line watching things play out, you begin to discuss how it could be done better right? So Jeremy and I put our thinking caps on and we're like, hey, if you did this, this, and this, man, it would run people through this line so much faster. We wouldn't have to wait an hour. We could cut this time in half potentially, 
right? Because we're thinking about how by standing in line for an hour, we're not enjoying other aspects of the park and our kids are ready to go ride rides and we're just stuck standing here waiting. Jethro is probably not the only person who puts his thinking cap on and says, this could be done better. Like we're waiting, we're waiting all day to talk to a man for guidance and direction. What if there was shared responsibility in this? Jethro brings this awareness that what Moses is doing is not efficient. He also brings awareness that what Moses is doing is not sustainable, right? He says it's working now, but it's about to start not working, right? Like it's about to start, it's about to start blowing up in your face. Remember uh, the movie Armageddon that came out like in the late 90s. It's, a, it's about people who go to, to space to try to drill into an asteroid to, to blow it up so it doesn't hit the earth, right? I remember there's one scene where they're, they're trying to test the transmission of the drill, right? So you got one guy who's saying, hey, you can't keep pushing that transmission, it's gonna blow. And there's the other guy who's doing it, who's like, no, 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 it can do it. It's working, it's working, it's working. It's gonna blow, it's gonna blow. No, it's working. It blows, right? Like the whole thing just explodes and they have to change the transmission out. That's, that's the Jethro's perspective here. Hey, it's working right now, but man, it's gonna blow up here in a minute, Like, you can't sustain this. You are overworking yourself. You're going to blow. And the people are going to stop being patient, waiting in line after line after line all day long. And so Jethro is bringing this awareness that what Moses is doing, it's not sustainable. Overall, what was being done was not good for anyone. Moses had good motives, right? He wants to help everyone. He wants to teach them about God, teach them how to apply God's word, but bad methods. They were going to actually fail everyone, including himself. What was being done was not good for anyone. It wasn't sustainable. It's not beneficial. The people actually were being indirectly taught that Moses was the only one who could be this for them. And that's too great of a task for one individual. I mean, it's what I love about our church and the shared responsibility that we have as pastors, as elders within this church, right? Because I have people ask me all the time, how do you pastor a church and serve as a principal of a Christian school? Like, like how do you manage the time? And one of the first things that I tell them after telling them that, hey, God sustains me through all of that, is that I have great leaders around me who support me, who share the load with me, both at school and here at the church. And so that shared responsibility with our elders is priceless in being able to do what we do here at Sovereign Hope the willingness that they have to shepherd you guys so that it doesn't fall completely on me, their willingness to teach and to share the load so that it doesn't fall completely on me. Those are, those are invaluable pieces to what is successful here at our church and why we're able to continue to grow and to thrive here at Sovereign Hope. The shared ministry piece is so important because what I want you to understand and what I want to believe will happen is that if God ever takes me away from here, this church will continue, right? Like, I don't want this church to be built on me, my personality, my teaching, my direction, my guidance, right? Like, I want you to always see shared responsibility within this church so that if God takes me home, if God relocates me, moves me, whatever, that this church continues, that this isn't Adam's church, right? Like, this isn't Adam's responsibility, This is God's church. God has raised up leaders to lead this church well. There'll come a day when I won't be here. Unless Jesus comes back, there'll come a day when when, when I won't live forever, right? So I may die as the pastor of this church, but there will come a day where I'm not here. 
My hope and desire is that this church would continue, and it continues because of shared leadership, shared responsibility, shared ministry, that I'm not the only one who can do it here. That's a pattern that we see in the New Testament church, the idea of shared ministry, elders, teachers, deacons, particularly in our church, small group leaders, etc., that help ensure the church will go on. We're getting ready to kick off our small group ministry uh, in the fall, and, and what has been the pattern over the years is that our elders have always facilitated small groups in addition to however many others that we needed to kind of fill out the rosters. We began talking this time last year that as elders, we wanted to increase our delegation to spread the ministry around and to start this year where the elders would no longer facilitate groups, to, to raise up more individuals in our church who'd be able to use the giftedness that God has given to them to share the load of the ministry. Jethro brings that awareness to Moses and says, if you try to do everything, it's not sustainable. He also brings awareness to Moses that what he is doing can be shared, that help is available and it must be embraced. In trying to shepherd the people, he had taken on too much and was now starting to hurt the people due to him being unavailable like he needed to be. We see similar issues arise in Acts chapter 6, right? Think back in Acts chapter 6, early New Testament churches are popping up, and, and we know that the apostles run into conflict early when people feel like their needs aren't being met, right? You've got these widows who are, who are missing out on the food distribution, right? And the apostles step back and they say, okay, we're going to need help managing this going forward, right? The Lord is adding to our numbers so regularly. We're growing so rapidly. We need more leadership to help us manage the needs of this church. And so they begin to, to appeal to the people to appoint individuals who will serve uh, what we believe to be in that role of deacon, who begin to help distributing the needs to those who have the needs in the church. Why? It's just so the apostles can tend to the preaching and the praying for the church. I put in my notes, when ministry and structure collide, you must be willing to adjust the structure to ensure the ministry can continue to grow. We have to be willing sometimes to admit that our way is not the best way. That, that maybe there's a better way of doing things. And that's certainly what Jethro brings to the table. We see Moses have a humble spirit to, to willingly listen and to make adjustments as well. But let's continue to look at Jethro's guidance. Number two, be willing to prioritize what only you should do. In delegation, it's, it's, a, it's a responsibility on the individual's part to determine what do I need to be doing and what can I get help from others to do as well. Be willing to prioritize what only you should do. Look what uh, Jethro says to him in verse um, 19. He says, you're not able to do it alone, right? Now obey my voice. I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God, bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. He encourages Moses to either keep doing this or I think probably to start doing certain tasks that he hadn't been able to faithfully do. That's taking people to God in prayer and bringing God to the people through his instruction. It's the exact same thing the apostles felt compelled to do, right? Like we've got to give our attention to praying and teaching God's word, 
right? Like we got, we got to, we got to teach them about Christ. We've got to teach them about the, the crucifixion, the crucifixion and the resurrection and the implications of that for daily life. We've got to be praying for the people's sanctification. Is it important that these widows get, get food distributed to them? Absolutely. But we need to find people who are capable of doing that because we could convince ourselves that that's what we need to be doing. But in doing that, there would be no prayer and there would be no teaching. Jethro says, Moses, you've got to give your attention to these things. You've got to give your attention to these tasks because that's what you should be doing. Taking the people to to God in prayer, taking God to the people through your teaching and instruction, that you're teaching them how to apply God's word, not so much individually, but corporately. Hopefully then it minimizes some of the disputes. Hopefully it minimizes some of the concerns and questions because you're not having to do it individually. You're doing it corporately. And then you've got people set up to help for those who still need further reinforcement. He says, prioritize what you should be doing, which is a good question for us to ask ourselves in our own roles and ministries that we have. Which task should remain our core tasks and what task can you release to embrace some of the ignored and neglected tasks that you have. Think about the roles that you fulfill. Are there things that you're doing that other people could do that would free you up to getting back to the things that you should be doing and maybe even start doing some of the things that you haven't been able to do? A good example for this outside of uh, the church for me is that uh, beginning of this summer, I committed to passing off the scheduling responsibilities for students at Trinity to one of my staff members, which was a huge act of delegation for me because I fit into the category of nobody can do this well except for me. If I ask somebody else to do it, they're going to mess it up, and then I'm going to create more work for myself to have to go back and fix it, right? But I recognize this is something that's keeping me from doing other things that I need to give my attention to over the summer, both here at the church and at the school, So I began praying and thinking through, who can I give that to? And so there's been a a process of delegating that to someone else because that's a task that somebody else can do. It's super important, but somebody else can do that because there's tasks that only I can do for the moment because of my position that I need to be doing and giving my attention to. We need to be willing to prioritize what only we should be doing and pass some of those other things off to others. That's the encouragement that Jethro gives to Moses. Number three, be willing to teach others what you think only you can do. Be willing to teach others what you think only you can do. Part of Moses's task is to teach the people how to think biblically about the situations they find themselves in every day, right? To think biblically about the situations they find within their everyday lives. It's, it's basically giving them a biblical worldview, Jethro says, Moses, you've got to give the people a biblical worldview, how to think and process their daily life through Scripture, right? And then they can apply the things that you're teaching them, which is going to minimize some of the need for for one-on-one ministry. He says, get back to doing this task, Moses. There's an education piece and an explanation piece that Jethro is highlighting here. What does God say and what does God mean? Moses is to pass that on to the people. This is something that we as elders want to continue to do here within our church as well. We want to be able to focus on the things that we believe that God wants us to do or that we should be doing in this role and try to delegate more and more of the responsibilities that have fallen on us as a church plant, right? So 
early on, you plant a church, there's, there's a, a, a missing element of lots of leaders. But as you grow and as you thrive, like more leaders come and more leaders are capable of being raised up and trained and equipped and delegated to. I know that's a heart for us as elders to figure out how do we delegate some of the things. And, and I'll be honest, like in our discussion, like there's challenges with that because those things creep up and pop up in our minds that, hey, we're the only ones that can do this well, Right? Like, we're the only ones that can do this right, and if we give it to somebody else, they'll mess it up, and then we'll have to fix it. And that's God working on us and convicting us and and making us more and more humble to see, hey, we're called to equip the people to do the work of the ministry. Like, that's our greatest calling, to teach you, to pray for you, and to equip you to use the, the immense amount of talents and gifts that God has given to you. And Jethro says, don't miss this, Moses. Like, you don't have to do this alone. You can call upon others to do this as well. Number four, be willing to empower others who will take the focus off of you. All right, that's always a big hesitation when we move in a direction where we step out of the, the limelight and other people get to step in. And that comes sometimes with delegation too, right? That you're no longer the one responsible for it. Somebody else is. So when things are going great, those are the names that pop up versus yourself, maybe. Jethro says, you need to identify capable people who can come alongside you and help, right? He tells him about his tasks in verses 19 and 20, verse 21. Moreover, look for able men from all the people who, men who fear God, who are trustworthy, hate a bribe, place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. Let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. Part of the delegation piece is empowering other people to do those jobs, and the focus then comes off of you. But that's what Ephesians 4 talks about, the idea that we all are gifted in unique ways and should be using those within the church. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Think about how the body is hindered when certain body parts have to carry the weight or load because of maybe an injury, right? The idea is that our body needs to work the way that it's designed to for it to be at optimal health. The picture here in the New Testament is that as a church, we all are gifted in ways that we can look for for opportunities to use those ways within the church. And by doing so, it allows us to grow and to to be strengthened further. Think about what we're talking about in the Old Testament here. What's Moses saying? These people have things happening in their life and they don't know what to do. They don't know how to apply God's word. They're kind of tossed to and fro and they're confused. Moses says, I got I to help them one-on-one. Jethro says, nope, you teach them corporately. You find other people to help them one-on-one with their giftings to make sure they grow up and mature in their faith. It's exactly what, what Paul's describing here in Ephesians, right? He's like, what's the goal? That people aren't tossed to and fro and confused as to how to live their life and, and what doctrines to follow and how to apply certain doctrines, what to do on a daily basis. 
Well, how do, we, how do we mature people in their faith? Everybody does their part within the church. Everybody finds ways to use their gifts within the church so that we accomplish this, this end goal of everybody growing, everybody working. The body is built up itself in love. Paul, our part of Moses' task is to train the people who can carry out what he's been doing so he can turn his attention to other matters. Notice how Jethro is not talking about taking leadership from Moses. Instead, he's encouraging him to dispense his leadership so that it reaches further. To step out of the limelight in some ways, to empower other people to step in there so that you can focus your attention on other things. I've got several people on my team at Trinity that function in this capacity where they handle they handle things that keep me from being distracted so that I can keep my attention on bigger things that, that, that need my attention. Um, and it involves me having to, to be humble in that, like, I've had to step away from certain things that would have given me, uh, like, a, like, a positive report in the eyes of parents. An example this week, there was a scheduling conflict issue uh, with a student, and one of my team members uh, worked everything out. The parent contacted me and said, hey, we need to get this, this righted. We need to get this fixed. I tasked one of my staff members to do it, right? She fixed it. She enabled what the parent needed to happen. She contacted me and she said, hey, do you want to call them and say that we got it worked out? And I said, no, I want you to do it. Like, you're the one that did it. I'm not going to take credit for it. I'm not going to take the glory for this family being excited and happy. I said, you call them. Like, you pick up the win here. You call them and say, hey, we got this worked out for you. Right? When we delegate, sometimes it means stepping away from the limelight, other people getting the focus, but that's okay. It's okay and it's needed for the health of the overall ministry. Be willing to empower others who'll take the focus off of you. All right, number two, and we'll be done here shortly. Prepare for the ministry that God wants to give you. Okay, so it's been heavy so far today in the sermon on the, the delegation part from those who have the ability to delegate, right? And you could say, well, well Adam, like, I'm not a leader in this church or, or I'm not in a position of delegation in any of the roles that I have. So where's the application for me, right? Like you're talking about those who can delegate, embracing these principles and seeing the need to do so. But what about me who, who doesn't maybe have a role of delegation right now? Well, there's, there's much to be said, I think, too, for you in that position as well in this text. Who are the type of people that Moses is to look for? Able men from all the people who fear God, who are trustworthy, who hate a bribe, place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Let them judge the people at all times. He goes on to basically say, like, let them take care of the small matters, and if there's something that they can't handle, then let them bring it to you. What's the end result going to be? Well, more people are going to get involved, you're going to have to do less, which means you're going to endure. You're not going to burn out. And he essentially says in verse 23, the people are going to be at peace with each other. For some of you, you don't have a certain ministry yet that God desires to give you. But in order for it to be delegated to you, you have to, number one, be the type of person who's a strong candidate for delegation. We've talked a lot before in the past about qualifications of elders and deacons and what Scripture has to say to those things. We've talked about striving to be those type of individuals, right? Like allowing the work of the Holy Spirit to move us in our sanctification to where we become the types of people who have that type of reputation. This idea here is that there are to be people amongst you, Moses, who you can call upon 
to help you. We fast forward into a parallel passage in Deuteronomy chapter 1, and we see how they actually did this. Moses, in implementing what Jethro suggests, he actually calls upon the people to identify the best people for this. Look what Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 9 says. At that time I said to you, he's talking past tense because this has already happened when he's writing it. At that time I said to you, I'm not able to bear you by myself. Right? I can't take care of you all by myself. The Lord your God has multiplied you and behold, you are today as numerous as the stars of heaven. May the Lord, the God of your fathers, make you a thousand times as many as you are and bless you as he has promised you. How can I bear by myself the weight and burden of you and your strife? Choose for your tribes wise, understanding, and experienced men, and I will appoint them as your heads. And you answered me, the thing that you have spoken is good for us to do. So I took the heads of your tribes, wise and experienced men, and set them as heads over you, commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, commanders of fifties, commanders of tens, and officers throughout your tribes. And I charged your judges at that time, hear the cases between your brothers and judge righteously between a man and his brother or the alien who is with him. You shall not be partial in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not be intimidated by anyone for the judgment is God's. And this case that is too hard for you, you shall bring it to me and I will hear it. And I commanded you at that time all the things that you should do. Moses doesn't make this decision himself. He reaches out to the people and says, hey, you choose amongst yourselves those who are capable of doing this. Choose those who have proven themselves with this type of character. Notice he doesn't look for people who have already got a background in this, right? Like, do we have any counselors out there? Do we have any judges out there who can come on and, and, and be a part of this with us? He instead looks for character traits, right? Jethro says, look for, for able men amongst all the people, right? So good reputation, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. Capable leaders are needed to care for the people. This isn't a mundane task pawned off to just anyone. This is a serious need and it requires serious help. So what do they do? They look for people who are proven, not necessarily experienced in performance, but demonstrated through character. They've shown themselves to be capable. They're reliable. They're people of integrity. They're trusted. They're going to fear God and his word over man enough to make tough decisions that are good, but not always popular. They're pure individuals. Motives are true. Uh, motives are truly to help and not to gain, right? This idea of not taking a bribe. I'm not going get, to get some type of unhealthy profit from this. They're there to help. They're there to serve. They're not looking for money. They can't be bought off. Think about how you're known both within this church and within your workplace. Some of you have desired maybe a promotion at work for a long time, but maybe you're not the type of person who has demonstrated that you're the type of person to delegate to. Man, like as a, as a, as a representative of the church in the secular work, workplace, we should be the individuals who exhibit these type of character traits the most. Be the type of person who someone would say is a strong candidate for delegation. Have these type of character traits, Jethro says, that, that, that they're looking for. Number two, be the type of person who's a strong example for delegation. Notice who they are going to be, and as Moses talks in Deuteronomy, they have become those type of people. He chose able men, verse 24 says, out of Israel, made them heads over the people. And what did they do? Verse 26 says, they judged the people at all times. Any hard cases they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. They were examples of how delegation works. They recognized where their role started and where it ended. They handled the task they could. They recognized when to involve Moses when they couldn't handle it. They lightened the burden for the leader. 
versus increasing the burden. They helped Moses endure longer. They helped encourage lasting peace amongst the people. They created the best setup for everyone. It's a super practical passage and how, how it should play out within the local church, right? The idea that those that are in leadership should constantly be looking for ways to delegate the ministry to others that God raises up. It's how we continue to grow as a church. I mean, we've talked like, man, I mean, for those that are visiting today, it wasn't but just a few months ago that we just were over here and there was a wall right here, right? And I just talked to everybody on this side and there was a few people that sat on this side and watched me on a TV, right? And we said, hey, as we grow, like we've got to figure out how to increase our seating capacity. So now, now we've got people sitting on both sides and people have come and visited since we tore down this wall. But what does that do? It increases the ministry needs within our church too, right? It increases the ministry needs. And sometimes that's formal, sometimes it's informal, right? Like we'll need God to add elders as we continue to grow. We'll need God to add more deacons as we continue to grow, more small group leaders, more nursery workers, more children's workers. Like the growth of the church increases the ministry responsibility within the church. And we want to delegate that to you. But in order to delegate it, we got to believe that there are people that God's raising up who will embrace the responsibility to serve well alongside of us and not create more work after delegating it to you. Right? This is where you fit into this, right? Because we as leadership are feeling the need to delegate more. And as we enter into this fall season, some of you are stepping into new roles as an act of delegation. And this is, this is a charge to you. Like, be a strong example of why that was a good decision, Right? Take the character that we've seen in you and apply that in a faithful way because our small group leaders, we need you to help, we need you to help serve our people and their needs within our church because our elders can't do it all, our deacons can't do it all. And maybe you're not in one of those roles right now. Hey, don't sit on the sideline very long because as we continue to grow, we need more of that. Both formal and informal people who are willing to serve and to use their gifts to encourage the people within this church some application for us to think through as we close today. And again, there's context for within the church and for without the church as you leave today and maybe go into your workplace as well. Demonstrate humility by receiving counsel and yielding to wisdom when the ways you are doing things are questioned. Be the type of person who's willing to, to be humble enough to say, hey, sometimes the way I'm doing things maybe aren't the best ways. Moses is a great example of that for us today. Number two, demonstrate flexibility to embrace changing structures that are meant to increase ministry opportunities in light of growth. Demonstrate flexibility to embrace changing structures that are meant to increase ministry opportunities in light of growth. It's going to be different this year having different people lead our small groups. Why did we do that? To increase the ministry. To increase the ministry. We're asking, we're asking you to be flexible as we increase ministry opportunities here in our church. It'll be different having elders not do all the small groups. It's going to be good. It's going to be good having not the elders do the small groups because we want to endure long. We want to endure long, and we want the peace of our people to be achieved. We know that that comes through delegation. Lastly, number three, demonstrate capability as a candidate for delegation by being a faithful presence with whatever God has given you now. Be faithful with what God's given you now. Be the best at that, both character-wise and performance-wise, so that God can continue to increase your ministry, both within this church and whatever roles he's given you outside the church as well. Think about that picture in Ephesians. Christ died 
so that the church could be built. Christ died to preserve a people. But it's a people that he wants to work and grow and thrive together. It's why he's given all of us different gifts and abilities. I love how when anybody joins our church, Adam McLeod and Tyson do such a great job of talking both in the membership process and when we announce them to you, hey, we're better because you're here now. Because God gifts you in ways that we didn't have here before you came. And now that you're here, we expect and can't wait to see how God's going to use those here. So if you're visiting with us, man, we encourage you to continue to pray, to pray through whether this is the place God wants you. If this is the place God wants you, know that we want you to come and we want you to serve because we intend to continue to grow. We want to continue to grow. And as we continue to grow, that's going to increase ministry responsibilities and needs. And we want to be able to delegate. So be the type of people as you're growing in your own faith. Let the trials that God's using in your life develop your faith so that you're someone that, that can be delegated to. So you can help encourage the faith of others as well. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We praise you and we thank you. That you died on the cross to rescue us from our slavery to sin. Lord, we've seen how you've rescued Israel from their slavery to Egypt. But God, help us to see that we're a part of a, a much greater rescue story. That we've been rescued from our slavery to sin and death. We've been set free. We've been set free to our own wilderness wanderings where you're growing and testing our faith daily. And God, you've called us to be a part of a faith community just like you called Israel. And it's a place where, where you desire for ministry to be shared, not for one individual to hold on to it solely. And so God, I pray that as we continue to grow as a church that, that we'd be able to delegate more and more ministry and service opportunities to, to capable people God, that you would raise up the men and the women in our church to serve faithfully in all the ministry opportunities that, that are needed here right now. God, help our men and our women to, to see uh, their role that they can play in being faithful to ease the burdens of others by embracing ministry responsibilities themselves. God, as we step into to new small groups this fall, Lord. Help us to, to, to certainly uh, lean in on our small group leaders who will guide and direct uh, along with the elders about how to care for each other. But God, I pray that as we, we jump into new small groups with new families and new relationships, that we would look for ways to serve one another so that it doesn't have to fall to one or two individuals. Lord, help us to share the load. Lord, help us to see that you've gifted us to share the load. Lord, we thank you for the encouragements that we see in our text today. I pray that we'd be faithful to live those out, create humility in us uh, to be able to always evaluate the things that, that we're doing and whether they're the best ways of doing it for your glory. Give us the, the strength to, to change things when things need to be changed. Lord, help us to always be working and growing in our faith, working out our salvation with fear and trembling so that you can use us more and more for your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org.